in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. <laughs> Caleb Williams won the Heisman Trophy. C.J. Stroud finished second. Max Duggan, the TCU quarterback, finished third. Um, you know what's incredible about this is that Caleb Williams has to come back for one more season before yeah, going he has to the to NFL draft. Before he goes to the league. Um, which, by the way, the Raiders should plan to tank next year and get Caleb Williams for 2024. Uh, is he going to be the can't-miss quarterback prospect? Like the Andrew Lux and the Trevor, Trevor Lawrence's? Feels like that's where we're yeah. trending towards, especially if he if he does just if he does exactly what he did this season next year, I think that's going to be the conversation yeah. about Caleb Williams going into the 2020. He is close to Mahomes as we've seen. <sighs> Mahomes just threw an underhanded pass for a touchdown against the Broncos yesterday. Like he also threw three picks, but against the Broncos, who's a very good defense. <laughs> no, I listen. I know he gave the quote about that. There, there's nothing Mahomes, whatever it was. There's nothing Mahomes can do that I can't do or something like that. <sighs> No, like I'm going to calm down on any Patrick Mahomes comparisons because Patrick Mahomes is unbelievable. But if I were an NFL team and I didn't have a chance to win the 2023 Super Bowl, which is going to be more than half of them, uh, I would be trying to be really, really bad and get Caleb Williams. Yeah, that would be my general game plan. If I was an NFL team, uh, hint, hint, Las Vegas Raiders. Next question. Texas basketball coach Chris Beard was arrested in Austin this morning. Um, some reporting out of Austin. The police in Austin oh, say he is accused that's a shame. of strangling a family or household Ouch. member. He was arrested on third degree assault at 418 a.m. Being processed as we morning. speak. Uh, so, again, been arrested. Uh, it is an accusation as of now. What is Chris Beard doing right. at four eighteen a.m. strangling somebody in the morning? Allegedly. All right, I the strangling part I can't, I I can't. But at four something in the morning is prime drinking time because the sun's coming up. It's an excellent time. Chris Beard is up at four in the morning drinking. He's in Texas. What else is there to do? He's a college basketball coach. Watch some film. Watch, he I was, was going to say, I was, I, maybe he's I, watching I, film. I, I bet that's where the night started. <sighs> it's a brutal story um, out of Texas. We'll see what actually comes of this. The Second in the country right now. Yeah, and the University of Texas put out a statement that was just basically we're aware Nothing. of the situation. We're, we're monitoring yeah, it. Gathering more information. Right. So... We'll see what comes of Chris Beard, but I would have to guess Chris I'd Beard is not going to be suspended. Yeah, uh, potentially the rest of the season, uh, depending on what the, the the truth behind these allegations actually is. First time you lost three in a row since you're... Anybody else here? Who was that? Mike Frable. That's great. Uh, the Chargers are now the seventh seed in the AFC after beating the Dolphins on Sunday night football. Here's the end of season schedule for the Chargers. Titans, Colts, Rams, Broncos. They're currently seven and six. That's an eleven win team. I think they'll yeah, it's lose ten or eleven. They'll lose at least one because they're the Chargers. 
Oh, uh, yeah. They're going to no, lose to Denver yeah. to keep Denver from getting a top five pick or something. But they are seven and six. And again, Titans, Colts, Rams, Broncos. If they're not a 10-win team, that feels like a pretty big disappointment right. uh, for the Chargers. But they're in. They're currently in a playoff spot. Nine and eight might be enough to get in. So they might be okay if they only win two. But they should be in the playoffs. I know ESPN's, um, what do they call FPI, is that what it is? They gave them a 76% chance to make the playoffs. That's all? With that schedule? <laughs> well, they are technically still tied with the Jets for the final uh, wild card spot. But the Chargers... Even though they're the Chargers and they find a way to blow it every year, they're going to make the playoffs this year. They're going to do it. They're not going to blow it. They're going to beat at least three of those four teams and they'll be in. Agree. I don't, I'm kind of with Jared. I'm thinking maybe 11 and six. They just lost to the Raiders. There's, there's gotta be, uh, they're going to charger a game. Maybe they'll charger two games and they'll get in at nine. (laughs) They nearly chargered last night's game. Up six, and they didn't recover the onside kick. I was kick. here. I mean, they did. But, like, the guy who was supposed to recover it just booted it. And then the Dolphins had a chance and didn't get Like, they almost did it last night. They're going to lose one of these games in hilarious fashion. But they're still going to the playoffs. Great question. Thank you. The 49ers beat the Bucks yesterday 35-7. to The 49ers ran for 209 yards. Uh, Brock Purdy stat line, 16 to 21, 185 yards, two touchdowns. Can this team actually do anything in the playoffs with Brock Purdy? The playoffs? Yeah. yeah. They're going to be in. Can yeah. they do anything in the playoffs? I don't know. I think it's more important yeah. that they lost Debo Samuel yesterday. They did. Although, Carted off. I know they haven't said uh, officially what it was. There have been reports that it's not as, as serious. serious as being carted off with him right. crying as he was in the cart. Right. So maybe Debo comes back uh, during the season. I don't know what to, I don't know what to do with the 49ers. If Garoppolo was still healthy, I'd be telling you right now that the second best team in the NFC. But I don't know that Jesus Brock is going to be the answer Christ. here. Because here's the thing: if you listen to the show before us, the ESPN National Show with Max Kellerman, I think it was Harry Douglas that was on with him. They were asking the question: If Garoppolo comes back, do you start Brock Purdy? If you get to the off season, do you get rid of Trey Lance and keep Brock Purdy? Oh yeah, after one game. And I'm like, he yeah. threw for 185 yeah. yards. Right. Like he made a couple of there were there were some good throws. Those in are there. Jimmy Garoppolo numbers. Right. But he threw for a one. They won the game because they ran for 209 yeah. and their defense and their defense is terrific. Right. Their defense suffocated is, the 45 year old quarterback. Like they didn't win the game because Brock Purdy was great. But like, so calm down with the Brock Purdy stuff, everybody. But. <laughs> The rest of the team's good enough. They probably can win some NFC playoff games with Brock Purdy at quarterback. He didn't pull a Jimmy Garoppolo, though, where he throws a ball that you're like, oh, that's about 20 yards shorter than he thinks he threw it. He only had to throw it 21 times. He's got to throw 30 times. He probably does. Whoa. If if Jimmy Garoppolo was throwing 30 times, the San Francisco 49ers are borked. (laughs) That's a great, great question. Did you know who Anthony Brown was before yesterday? Absolutely not. I had no idea. Third string quarterback for the Ravens now? He finished the game at quarterback for Baltimore because Lamar Jackson is out. Tyler Huntley yep. left with an injury. I'm officially done in fantasy. The Ravens beat the Steelers 16-14, to 14, though, because Baltimore ran for 215 yards. Jake Dobbins, by the way, returned for the Ravens. So Anthony Brown is the quarterback of the Ravens. Uh, I believe they're the Thursday night game. Which means they have very little time until they have to play. Tony Brown's starting a quarterback. 
I don't know. Downtown Tony Brown. Downtown Tony Brown. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what they do there. They are not. I lied. I lied. They are not the Thursday night game. The Thursday yeah. night game is uh, Niners and Seahawks. Brock um, Purdy. Brock Purdy. So the the Baltimore Ravens. Man, this is going to be a fascinating conversation. Two years in a row, the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the AFC North until Lamar Jackson gets hurt. And then all of a sudden, they might not be the best team. They still won yesterday, but that makes it an unbelievably fascinating conversation. They're not going to run for 215 every week, I'll tell you that. But what do you do with Lamar Jackson in the offseason? Clearly, when he's healthy, you're the best team in your division. You can win the Super Bowl. But every year, he's going to be hurt. I think the franchise tagging him. That probably makes the most sense. Um, Tag and trade. Is he willing to sit out and not play on the franchise tag is another question. But that probably makes the most sense if you're the Ravens because you're not giving any sort of long-term commitment to a quarterback that gets hurt a lot. Is this going to happen every year? So that's it's going to be. It was an interesting conversation this offseason. Going to be even more fascinating next offseason given that he doesn't have any contract yet for the 2023 season. No, great, great question. The Bills beat the Jets 20 to 12. Uh, the Jets had more first downs. They were better on third down. They had more total yards, but still lost the game. They committed two turnovers. The Bills committed zero. They held Josh Allen to 147 passing yards. The snow kind of helped too, but they held Allen to 147, and the Bills still well, Mike White threw to win. 268. Mike White had Mike. a pretty good day statistically, except um, for that shot to the chin where he looked like I thought he was dead. <laughs> but if you're the Jets, that's gotta suck because you probably walk away from that thinking we outplayed the Bills and they lost the game. Like that, if you're if you're right now the Jets or the Dolphins, you're chasing the Bills, and there's a good chance you're chasing the Bills for quite a few years in that division. And you look at that game and you say, ah, we played well. We probably outplayed the Bills and still couldn't beat them. We're still not going to be able to catch them in the division. Our best shot is to sneak in as the last wild, the wild card, card team. And they lost that, at least as of now, to the Chargers yesterday. So the Jets could be on their way out despite having a great start to the season. Press box transition. Soccer journalist Grant Wall died in Qatar. Uh, by the way, also a photographer, Qatari photographer, yes, also has died, died covering the World Cup in Qatar um, last night, this morning, whatever time uh, zone you want to go with there. But Grant Wall, an American journalist, he was covering the World Cup. Grant Wall was denied entry into one of the early games of the World Cup because he was wearing a shirt that had a soccer ball in the middle and then a rainbow color scheme around it. Mm -hmm. It was not a uh, gay pride flag. It was a soccer ball with a rainbow design around it. They would not let him in. They told him if he wanted to come in, he would have to uh, change shirts. He refused and they detained him. Grant Wall also, the, the last story he published, um, was a story about Qatari officials not caring about migrant workers dying during the World Cup or during construction mm-hmm. because there was a uh, worker that died. I think he fell off of a forklift or something um, like last week. And Qatari officials were asked about it by the media and they gave very crass responses, basically like, why are you asking about that? The World Cup's going on. And Grant Wall just wrote a story basically saying they do not care about the migrant deaths. And then the next day, he uh, died. Um, yeah. The The story here is that he uh, said he had bronchitis a couple of days before this. Apparently, he sort of fell back in his chair uh, in the either 
either press box or media workroom and was taken to the hospital and he died either on the way or at the hospital. Yeah, I knew Grant from covering college basketball before he switched over to soccer. And, uh, I mean, you must have really liked him because he, he wanted to be the preeminent voice on soccer in this country and wanted to bring a lot of people who didn't know soccer in this country into the game and uh, followed his passion, followed his dream, and, and made it work. And, boy, if you, if you see the outpouring of grief from stars all over the country, not, not only soccer stars, but LeBron James. Yeah. He was the first... LeBron James' first Sports Illustrated article ever was written by Grant Wall yeah. for Sports Illustrated. So, really, really sad. Forty-eight, I believe. In his forties, um, I don't, I can't remember exactly. I think forty-eight. Uh, really, really sad. And um, he was a wonderful journalist, a great writer. It's not an overstatement. If you've seen a lot of the people that have talked about it, it is not an overstatement when people say he he helped the sport of soccer right. in this country. Like it's not an overstatement at all. He. Like he wrote that LeBron James story. He was a could have been one of the biggest voices of college basketball writers Absolutely. in this yeah. country. But and he chose and to he go chose I would cover soccer. I'm gonna cover soccer. Yeah. And did it for Sports Illustrated for a decade or something. He's actually most recently he just started his own website right. and was doing it that way. And yeah, now he's gone. And we'll say suspicious events surrounding his death that I don't know if we'll get uh, actual well, and, answers uh, to. His wife, who's a doctor, um, I heard on NBC last night they're going to bring his body back to she because she's demanding the autopsy be done here. Yes, which is uh, probably a good Smart thing. thing. Uh, coming up next, we'll jump into the Golden Knights after they lost to the Bruins last night. One touch up top for Hutton. Looks right, passes left. Stevenson down low for Stone. A slam dunk, he scores! Power play goal. Mark Stone, his 10th of the year, gives Vegas a 1-0 lead. Just four minutes into the game, the Knights strike first for the 20th time in 30 games this season, an NHL best. You're sitting in the press box with Randy and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Randy and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Coming up later this hour, we've got tickets to go see the Golden Knights take on St. Louis Blues a couple days before Christmas. So stay tuned if you would like an early Christmas present to see the Golden Knights and Blues a little bit later this month. Uh, but last night, the Golden Knights lost 3-1 to to the Boston Bruins. You heard the Golden Knights take the lead there. The Bruins scored the last three goals of the game to come back and win. Um, the Golden Knights, three-game home stretch. They have scored four total goals. Season long, the Golden Knights are the worst offensive team in the NHL. If you break it down by per 60 minutes, the Golden Knights are scoring 2.38 goals per game or per 60 minutes at home. Meanwhile, they're third in the league in goals on the road, 3.94 per 60 minutes. Uh, what do you make of that? Is this... I mean, Early season variance, or is there something to it? I think they'd wish they had the answer to it. What? I mean, missing their three best players last night obviously doesn't help. Doesn't help uh, missing Petrangelo, Theodore, and Eichel, uh, and then White Cloud gets uh, injured two minutes into the second period. Um, that did not look good, by the way, as he limped off. And Bruce Cassidy even said that afterwards. That does not look good. So I'll give some of it to that, but still. Um, other than Petrangelo, those guys have played, you know, he, he's been out a while. This has been an issue all year. Right. This hasn't just been an issue the last three games. This has been an issue all year. 7-7-1 seven, seven, and one in their last 15. Um, and a lot of that has to do with they can't score at the Fortress. I 
believe it's just kind of random variants early in the season. I don't believe there's something behind, hey, this team can't score at home. I don't think that's, until I hear a convincing logical argument for it, I don't believe there's anything to that. I think it's just going to be some sort of variance uh, with this team. because That it will even out? Yeah, because on the road, they're one of the five right. highest scoring teams right. in the league. And here's the interesting part. If you go by expected goals per 60 minutes, their expected goals is actually a little bit higher at home than it is on the road this year. Like, this isn't a case of, oh, they don't create any chances. Now, last night, they didn't do a very good they job. They didn't do a very good job chances. at all. So there have been games. But for the most part, this isn't really a case of, oh, they just don't create the chances. They just don't score. Like, they just can't put it in the back of the net when they're Can't home. finish. And it's, like, we, we've talked about the home and road record. That is, that it's so strange that you've got the best road record in the league right now. And uh, what are they, just slightly above 500 right, for the whole home. year at home? That's that's bizarre that you would have this team playing that way because the only real difference in hockey, obviously the crowd, but the only real difference in hockey uh, home and away is the home team gets last change right. when they're, you know, when there's a stoppage and uh, the away team's got to put their line on the ice and then the home team gets to pick who they want to match up. If you want me to go off the deep end, I'd say Bruce Cassidy's not very good at putting the right lines out there. I'm not so sure we go there yet. I don't think so either, but that's the only thing you can really point to unless you just believe these guys are, I don't know, too rested when they're at home. I mean, they just can't finish. <laughs> like last night, I think they had two two-on-ones, two breakaways to hit a post, and he said it afterwards. Uh, it has to change, but they just they don't finish at home. Yeah. So, all right, let me ask you this. Let's say it continues the entirety of the season and they're the whole year, like they, they, they're whatever. really good on the road, not they, good at home. They finish one, two, one or two in the Pacific or something, right? They're a playoff team. Um, and they end the season as like the second or third highest scoring road team in the league and have the best record on the road in the league, but they're like a 500 home team Can't and they're score there and they're one of the five worst offensive teams uh, in home games. Should they, uh, Put the team up in a hotel before home playoff games. <laughs> Not being able to see their families, yeah. their wives, their children, their bust girlfriends. Them, bust them to the arena or something like that. Just like, all right, this is a road trip. Put everybody. them in MGM across the street. Yeah, this is a road trip, everybody. We're treating yeah. this as though it's a road game. Let's score some damn goals in the playoffs. That would be awesome. <laughs> that, I don't, I, I, you asked the question in the beginning. I don't I don't know the answer to it. Like I said, last night they're missing their three best players. That has maybe had something to do with it, but still... Um, that's an ex- that's a huge, huge gap between what they've done on the road and what they've done oh, yeah. at home. And you're probably right. It probably evens out. Much like when they were 13-2, and two, I think we both said, well, this is going to start evening out. Right. They're not going to 30-2. Right. They look like a good team, but they're not going to be this good. It's right. not, they're not going to be you know 26-4, and four. although Boston's record is something crazy yeah. like 26-4. and four. Right. That team doesn't lose. So it's it's very bizarre i'm not going to put anything into it at the moment um but i don't know we get to the end of january if it's still the same then i i'd be curious to see if bruce cassidy talks about changes they need to make or makes changes at home i don't because if you're a coach i don't know what you do you sit down and say all right uh how do we score on the road like we do at home i i couldn't tell you exactly what that plan would be also i think was important last night with Jack Eichel out and not really a timeline on when he is going to be back, we've seen Paul Cotter play with Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone. 
They were phenomenal the first time they were put together as a line. They were okay in the second game they played together. Last night, they sucked. When Cotter, Stevenson, and Stone were on the ice together, their Corsi was 20%. Their expected goals was 22%. And they were on the ice for one of the Boston uh, Bruins goals. That, those are brutal, brutal right. numbers. Those are worse than like When I come on here and tell you Phil Kessel numbers, those are significantly those are worse. worse than Phil Kessel. Right. That, to me, is a concern uh, simply because if you're playing without Jack Eichel for a while, you've got to figure out what that top line looks like. And you can't have many of those games, right. right? It was Boston, right? It was the Bruins. They didn't do this against Arizona or a bad team. It happened against a good team. So maybe there's some reason to be like, all right, that's not, not every team is going to do that to us. But if you're trying to figure out how to survive or how to, you know, make your lines work with no Jack Eichel, you've got to figure out how that first line is good. Not just like they, they've got to be good. They can't just be average, right? They've got to be good. And last night they were terrible. So I do. Do you think Cassidy? Would you move your Would you move your guy Kessel up? I think you might consider it, but then uh, play with better players. I think either he or Stone would have to play on their off wing, which maybe right. is not a big deal. But um, I, I wonder if Cassidy decides to make some changes. Uh, not having Eichel makes it uh, interesting as to what you would do. Right? Do you break up the misfit lines and and put Marsha so up there on the left wing with those? There, no, Marsha so has but, to be Marsha. But then does that? ruin the second line like trying to figure out how do you get offense or how do you get the right production you're expecting when mark stone's on the ice right. without ruining another line or two other lines uh in that case and honestly if i'm cassidy my answer to that is just hey mark stone you got to be good like you, you're playing with paul cotter and chandler stevenson make it work figure yeah. it out like that would be basically my answer to it like you're you're one of the players on this team i put eichel in that conversation too it should not matter who's on your line. We should be good when you're on the ice, right? That should be, I think, the the, the conversation message. with Mark Stone. Now, obviously, if they play four or five games and they're still this bad, you got to change something. Right. But I think that would be my initial solution at the moment is, hey, you're Mark Stone. You're one of the two or three best players on this team. Jack Eichel's out. We need you to carry the load a little bit for us. We need you to get this done for us. And then when Eichel comes back, it won't be as much on you. And that's where you go. Um, before... We talked to Lindsey Brown. Can you believe the Golden Knights parachute team from the Army was at the game? Well, the lawsuit's over. The Golden Knights parachute team was suing the Golden Knights over their name like three years ago. And now they're at the game getting, uh, whatever, honored, welcomed by Bill Foley? Yeah, they've got they got a, uh, a plaque here. You got a picture of uh, Eichel and Bill Foley spending time with them of the U.S. Army Golden Knights parachute team in the building. Uh, pretty sure they cranked the siren. Did they crank the siren? Oh, man. whoa! We need a grade. Uh, a, we need a grade on their siren crank. I didn't see a that video of it, so I don't know. I wasn't there and didn't see a video. I know so. the U.S. women hockey uh, cranked the siren. I'm trying to think about the parachute. I thought I thought before one of the periods because I saw them on the screen and they were up. Uh, you know where where um, Chance and the uh, yeah. and the drummers are. How many how many people can sue a sports team and then like three years later be get cranking like, the siren by that sports team? And get a plaque. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of, it's got to be something that's like super annoying when you're showing up to court like, I'm trying to honor you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Coming up next, Lindsey Brown joins the show. Yes, this is two nations, but these are two very good oh, friends and teammates right now. Just a standoff. 
He decides to come reset the ball there. Such a fascinating part of the psychology of taking penalty kicks. This is also a process, what he goes through there. Even the little touching of the socks, it gets you into that routine mindset. Well, just such focus and composure to stand over it and then comes across it, bang! Top corner. Look at that penalty. Even if Lloris goes that way, he's not saving that. 53 goals for Harry Kane. Goals in back-to-back -back games, England level, and well and truly game on now. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. We do not have Boy, this is going to be really interesting when we get a hold of her. She retweeted the she retweeted the rundown. She knew she was coming on, I think. I think she knew. I mean, she said yes when I asked her <laughs> <Yes>. yesterday. <laughs> uh, but I am very happy that England is out of the World Cup. You picked them. Doesn't mean I want them to win. You picked them to win it. You didn't want them to win? No. I want England to lose... To everybody, unless they play Mexico. <laughs> I don't want England to win anything. They're annoying. The right. most annoying fan base right. in the world. They're like, oh, we created soccer. They think they own the sport. They can't. They've won as many World Cups as we have in 50 years. <laughs> They're useless. Very. And I'm happy they lost because Harry Kane missed a penalty. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, he did. Couldn't be any better. It's phenomenal. Very happy England is out. Um, However, did you see the big uh, the drama on the United States side? Uh, Gio Reyna? Yeah. So yeah. Gio Reyna played, I don't know what it was, 45, 50 minutes or something in total in the World Cup. Uh, Gio Reyna is a really good player, maybe one of our best players. Uh, but he also plays at the position where we have the most depth. That is winger. We have Christian Pulisic. We have Tim Weah, uh, Brendan Aronson, and Gio Reyna that are all four uh, competent, capable starters at uh, the two winger spots. So Gio Reyna, apparently he almost got sent home during the World Cup. Uh, there have been a couple different stories on this from The Athletic and ESPN that have had a few different details here. But from both of those stories, uh, Gio Reyna was apparently not showing the expected effort during training and an exhibition they had leading up to the start of the World Cup. Um, Reyna, it was even as far as Gio Reyna getting called out by multiple teammates. Ooh. So it wasn't during, just coaching staff. No, it was not. Gonna, I think that's a key detail here. It wasn't it was just not, This wasn't Burhalter and the coaching staff saying this guy's not trying right. hard enough. It was other players also being like, what, what are you doing? What's happening here? Um, Gio Reyna did eventually apologize to the team during a team meeting. Uh, but maybe the most fascinating detail from ESPN, the players voted on whether or not Gio Reyna should be sent home from the World Cup. And the vote was 13-12 to keep wow. Gio Reyna. Which is fascinating to me that it was that uh, that big of a deal that nearly half, not quite, but nearly half of his teammates wanted to, to send, send him, home. him home, but did not. The other 13 decided it was okay to keep him and be good to go right. from there. The amazing part to me, Greg Berhalter is getting ripped by a lot of people. For all, for this entire situation, even though so, his, even though his 
players were on to on board with this. So Burhalter got a lot of criticism for not playing Gio Reyna during the World right. Cup. Right. People, people were wondering why. Right. Now, I found it funny because, again, he plays as a winger. And what? Uh, ha- more than half of our goals came from the two wingers that we played. Right. Like it, it wasn't like a position of weakness for us. It's right. we, we can afford for Gio Reyna to not play. Right. We've got Tim Weah and Christian Pulisic. But Berhalter got a lot of criticism for that. And then this comes out. And by the way, the reason it came out is Berhalter was at some summit and he was talking about, well, we had a player that we almost sent home and all that. And people figured out, oh, he's talking about Gio Reyna. And Berhalter thought he was talking off the record, but it ended up being on the record. Um, but Berhalter got a lot of criticism for that. And now it's come out that, oh, his teammates and the coaches had a problem with this effort. And people are still criticizing Greg Berhalter for not playing Gio Reyes. Has Gino Reyes in the past had these kind of issues? Why in the world would it creep up at the most important time, one of the most important times of his career? With the United States team, I do not believe or I can't remember an incident like this. However, him. yes. However, um, there have been a lot of, maybe not a lot, but there have been some German media that have, because he plays for Dortmund mm-hmm. in Germany, that uh, have either reported something similar in the past or have taken this story and been like, oh, that sounds That's like, like who Reyna. he is. So, yes, it's possible that this is something that Gio Reyna has done before or whatever. He's also 19. Like, we're talking about a teenager still. Uh, to me, it's not that shocking that a 19-year-old... Because reportedly, Gio Reyna was upset that he was not guaranteed to start the first game of the World Cup. Okay. Right? Like, okay. that's that's apparently where this stems from, that he was not a guaranteed starter for the United States, which, again, I've got no problem with from Greg Berhalter's side because Tim Way is really good. Like, the guy, it's not like the guy who started over him was some bum. Like, Tim Weah is awesome. Tim Weah scored our first goal, uh, the only goal we scored against Wales. and But he was apparently not happy with that, and that's why he was not showing the right amount of effort. And ultimately, Berhalter decided, well, I'm not going to play you very much then. And hell, they almost sent him home based on the teammates voting for it. Not Berhalter, but the teammates voting for it. I'm just surprised that you can have, and maybe we'll get more details uh, that are maybe more pro Gio Reyna, but I'm surprised you can have this story come out. This kid wasn't trying very hard. His teammates weren't happy about it either. But Greg Berhalter still should have played him. Why? That's fans. Yeah. That's fans. I, that, I, I, mean, I don't know. I agree with you. But that's, that's, that's fans who think, would he have made a difference? You know, could they have advanced further? That, that, that's just fans. I, I completely agree with you. If he wasn't showing effort. And I think mostly it goes to the 13 to 12 vote. I mean, if that many of your teammates didn't even want you around, right. that's all you need to know. It's not even about the coach at that point. It's about his teammates don't even want him around. Because the teammates thing is because those players know what it means to be on the World Cup roster, mm-hmm. even if you're not playing. And those players know if this guy gets sent home, how big of a story that's going to be in the middle of the World Cup. And 12 of them still said... They still said, yes, send him probably home. better to send Gio Reyna home. It's a fascinating story. And you know what I want to happen today? I want there to be a new contract announced for Greg Berhalter. <laughs> because today would be the funniest day 
they could possibly announce a Greg Berhalter contract in the middle of everybody losing it over Gio Reyna Gio and Reyna. how much effort he showed would be phenomenal content if Greg Berhalter got a new contract today. So that's what I'm cheering for. Give Greg Berhalter a new contract today and watch people lose their minds. Well, he's going to get a new one, right? He's going to be the guy. If he wants to come back, he might if not want to do back. another cycle. Yeah, well, yeah, because he might. The, the reporting has been that he might want to explore coaching uh, in the Premier League in, in Europe. I don't know if he'd get a Premier League job, but somewhere in Europe, be, being a club head coach instead of uh, the manager of a national team. So I hear the Saudis are paying a lot. <laughs> That's not Europe, but <laughs> so we'll see if that actually happens. But it appears as though it's his job to turn down uh, that he would get the offer if he wanted to keep it or keep the job. So we'll see. But I hope if it happened today, oh, that'd be fun. That'd be great entertainment if he got it today, just based on this Gio Reyna situation. It's great. And again, I just, I can't get over the fact that 12 teammates were going to send him home and people think this is a Greg Berhalter situation. Yeah. Like that's, if the, if the story in the reporting came out that just Greg Berhalter had an issue with Gio Reyna, that'd be one thing. But for the story to come out and it'd be like, oh, his teammates had an issue with it. This has nothing to do with Greg Berhalter. This is clearly a Gio Reyna story, unless that detail is wrong or something like that. But this is clearly a Gio Reyna yeah, story, not exactly. a Greg Berhalter No, story. not a coach story. And hopefully, when Gio Reyna is 23 years old in the 2026 World Cup, he's starting he'll a little for more, us and, and he'll be a little player. more mature. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I need to work hard, even right. if I'm not guaranteed to be a starter. Because he is really good. Right. It'd be really nice if he was, you know, our best player or something in the next World Cup. That'd be a lot of fun. There's potential that he is our best player in the next time we go to the World Cup. All right. We've got tickets to give away to go see the Golden Knights. They take on the St. Louis Blues on December 23rd, and you can win two tickets right now. 702-364-1100. That is the phone number. 702-364-1100. Caller number eight right now will win a pair of tickets. See the Golden Knights take on the Blues. Keyshawn out of a double team into Mawoka. Mawoka to a cutting Elijah Parquet on the weak side for the slam dunk. And that's one thing the Rebels do very well. Uh, David Mawoka is a great passer when he catches the ball right there in the high post and the low post. Great cut there by Eli Parquet. Terrific backdoor cut and terrific ball movement. 2-2 tie, two minutes in. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Featuring All-American Lindsey Brown. Congratulations to Mike. He won tickets to go see the Golden Knights coming up in a little bit. We'll have tickets to go see Five Finger Death Punch. Uh, hi, Lindsay. What what What's just up? happened? What's up? Well, you know, I do Raider Nation radio once in the morning, and all of a sudden, oh, the phone line stopped working. We <laughs> called you six times. So I, I, did. I don't know what's going on, but I'm here. I was ready to go. I thought maybe you guys were going to call me at like 835 just to make it extra uh, written in the stars or something like that. But nope, <sighs> just waiting around. Uh, I, I witnessed Jared holding the phone to his head. I can't confirm if he was dialing a number or dialing the correct number, but I do know he had the phone to his head multiple times. So I, I don't know if Jared I tried called two the different wrong lines. I don't know what's happening here. So I don't know who to blame, but normally I blame Jared when I don't know who to blame. So that's where we can go with today. All right. That's fine with me. I'll take a share of it because nobody should stand alone in the corner. Oh, uh, don't do that. Hold on. I, I have an important goalie number question because you've got your hot takes yeah. on like there's three acceptable numbers for goalies to wear. Does the length of the goalie's last name play into what number they should wear? 
Uh, it, it doesn't, but it certainly can add extra brownie points on at the end because if it's nice and symmetrical, like I, I have a number eight Kale McCarr jersey here. I know it's not a goalie jersey, but just the fact that it has you know five letters to his last name, the number eight in general just looks very pleasing to the eye. And so it's just a very symmetrical jersey. So it, it depends on the goalie. It depends on the number. But it, it, it's a it's a snap judgment of the essence. That's how I tell. The reason I ask is because Aiden Hill, his last name is very small on his jersey. Yeah, the name is smaller than the actual letters or numbers, excuse me, underneath his name. Yeah, I think he has a solid solid uh, back to his jersey. I like that. Thirty three ain't bad. Thirty three ain't bad. It's not great. It's not thirty five, <laughs> but it's not bad. All right. Why can't they score at home? I'll tell you what, uh, there's not a whole lot of penetration in the offensive zone, a lot of shots to the outside. And granted, like when you're playing a team like Boston, like that was a heck of a hockey game last night. Whether you win or lose, that was a really fun game to watch two teams that clearly don't like each other, even though they only see each other a couple times a year at the holidays, kind of like star-crossed cousins in a way. But in terms of what they're not in, Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's brilliant but yeah I, I just they're not having Mark Stone in front of the net getting a garbage goal is to be expected but then you're like well what about the rest of the lineup I mean you had a couple of chances you had a couple of point blankers but just straight up without Jack Eichel in this lineup there's a there's a huge hole to fill and a lot of guys filling in on extra responsibilities you have Chandler Stevenson back playing the center and while I think he's naturally a better center uh, but you, you move him around to make sure you accommodate Eichel make that the top line like I just think there's a lot of guys doing responsibilities that they may or may not usually be asked to do. And so when you start taking away energy and focus uh, from scoring, like that's where you're putting it. And it's just, this is a very beat up lineup right now. So they're just trying to get through things and play low scoring hockey games. And sometimes it goes the other way. Um, Lindsay, we, uh, this segment is normally shorter, so we're not going to have enough time to actually get to everything, which means I teased to you yesterday that I had a solution to the Phil Kessel problem, but I'm not going to be able to tell it to you today. Oh, you're going to have to bring me on the show again. Yeah. What a conundrum. It is a nightmare, a complete nightmare. So that is going to, because it's going to take a couple of minutes to explain okay. because, you know, it's Phil Kessel. It's the number one topic. Do you want in the me world. in studio for it? Do you want to like do this eye to eye? Is that necessary or do you need a, a little bit of a, of a, of a something between us to make sure that you get all out what you need to say. That is something between us would be good. Yeah. I might hold up some, some, uh, some of your note cards or binders or whatever oh, you have okay. to separate us. Okay. How, how many note cards from last night's game? You t- I, I looked over at you. You were taking a lot of notes. Oh, I had a lot of notes. When I do the hockey games, I don't do the note cards. I just do computer paper sheets. And so I, I had a couple of diagrams outlining the new power play and how those rotations look like. I mean, I had a lot of notes on how well Zach Whitecloud was playing until his knee went out, and I hope that he's okay. But luckily, when I was in the locker room after the game, when they're, like, loading up all the sticks, all the pads and stuff, as we're like, Marshy, give us a quote. I saw that Whitecloud sticks were in with the bunch, and I'm like, maybe I'm reading into it too much, maybe I'm not. But I would think that if they knew right away that he wasn't going to be playing, that the sticks wouldn't have been in the little cart. That is a hell of an observation. Wow. That well, is, you know, that you is know why me, Brown that goes. journalistic eye. I, yes. saw you, I saw you in there. I didn't know if you were, I didn't know you were doing things like that. Look Good for that. you. Ed, you didn't notice that, No, did you? I, I was like, I, I was trying to get my tape recorder in close to Mark hey, Stokes. I was trying to get a quote. I was trying to get a quote. It's called a dictaphone. I was trying to get a quote. That is, uh, that is impressive, Lindsay. I am very, I'm very glad we found a way to get you on the radio today so you could give us that detail. All right. Um, 
Well, before we let you go, I know we're running out of time, Jared, but before we let you go, I can't believe you took notes on a computer just for Raider Nation Radio last week. Well, you got to do what you got to do when your number is called and you're asked to step up. And, you know, I just figured football is such an easier game to break down because there's whistles after every play. You're like, okay, what happened on that play? What happened on that play? And so I guess I'm just good at taking notes and I want to make sure that I, I did a good job because you never know. You got to win over Raider Nation. That's usually uh, going to work out in your favor in the long run. I'm glad yeah. you kind of implied you don't have to do a good job when you yeah. come on with us. Thanks, Lindsay. Bye. Go Vikings. Bye. There's Lindsey Brown. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't respond <laughs> to the Go Vikings. Uh, I don't know whose fault it is, uh, Jared. What are the odds you dialed the wrong phone number? Because you seem very adamant you did not dial the wrong it, phone. Number. Literally, I did not leave the screen, and then I texted her. I called you six times from that same screen, and she responded. So. <laughs> I dialed the right number. All right. Uh, maybe it's just the phone line's fault because the phone is a corded phone that would have been in my house in 1999. Would have been in your house before some, like 1979, the family that lived there yeah, before. Yeah, it stayed there. Yeah, correct. Correct. It was there when we bought the house and it took 20 years for it to actually get replaced. All right. I'm glad we got Lindsey Brown on the phone because Zach Whitecloud's sticks still exist. Going to Winnipeg. Not